This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Rebecca Huntley. Welcome to the History Listen and the third program in our Gone Mallee series. Today, a year in the life of a tiny South Australian Mallee outpost. Producer Mike Ladd has been visiting the town of Mantung each season and hearing from local people as they recall the past and describe life as it is today. Here's Mike Ladd with the Mantung Yearbook. Summer. Walking into the main street of Mantung. Population eight permanent residents and several blow ins. Dry light, dust rising off the road. Mantung, little limestone town in a sea of Mali. South of the Murray River, north of nowhere in particular. It's Dennis and Chris's place. That's their rooster. Live next to the town hall, the Mantung Town Hall. Outside of which is the biggest Mallee root I've ever seen. It's about as big as an elephant. Looks like one too, with a knotty grey hide. With their dog Sam, Chris and Dennis Stazanowski are waiting on their veranda for me. Benny on my life, father come here when he was oh, 11, I think, and uh, took up his father, took up a block out, oh, about four mile out from Mantung here. So, did you go to school here in Mantung? Yes, I done the first in grade one, or mum give me correspondence in grade one at home, then they opened the school here, in the actual old hall here. Then I'd done the next six years there, and went to high school at Loxton. I couldn't get, get out of school quicker, I had to go get on back on the land, but things are tough then. Um, like mum and that there, we used to have run pig, sheep, cows, milk cows, a um, bit of everything, chalks. And that and sell the cream on the train and, and eggs and, and any bit of work would come up. Well, first of all, I started off doing a bit of rouseabout and around, plus doing farm work. And then I took up shearing. So, uh, just a virtually shear about five months of the year in between farm work. And I've done that for 40 years. And uh, elbows and shoulders and hips are playing up, so I had to give that away. But, uh, no. It's been a tough life, but very enjoyable life. 
we come up the, like very poor and had nothing but money to put tucker and clothes on us. We never had any toys. We just go out in the old rubbish things on a a cog and that'd be your, your tractor. And you'd, you'd spend hours mucking around old things you'd find and make up a little thing and, and uh, run around. And uh, then got old up and it's mad on bird nesting. Used to walk the miles, bird nesting. And now it's probably a no-no, but that was all good fun. We'd, we'd um, do that every weekend or we had ferrets. You go ferreting. Rabbits, dogs, and that there had your nets to catch the rabbits, and the ones that got out, the dogs would catch. And then the chiller come in to Mandunga, rabbit chiller. Well, rabbits are worth money. So that's your, your pocket money for the weekend. And then you go play, you always play me sport, love me football, and tennis, and that there. And that then they give you your pocket money for your two bob a pair. And beautiful, two bob then, you could buy a pasty, a cool drink and a bloody big bag of lollies, and you was made. <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, it was, you, you made your own fun. What does the Mallee mean to you? It's the open air. You can get in your bus and go drive around. You haven't got the hassle of cars. It's just a quietness. You sit here in the evening, wife and I sit here in the evening, you listen to the birds. And that, I've got Mallee Pear out and one patch of scrubbing out there. Heaps of stuff to see, like it's just, uh, I hardly watch TV. Chris, what's your favourite part of this community? Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and you and Dennis were married in the town hall here, in the Mantung Hall. And Michael tells me you had quite a unique uh, best man who presented the ring at the wedding. Dennis's faithful dog, Sam. So uh, Sam was the best man and had the red ribbon tied around her collar with the ring on the collar and Sam was just sitting with Matthew Dennis's son and my sister actually performed the ceremony. She's an ordained minister and she asked for the ring to be presented and Dennis just had to look at Sam and Sam just trotted up and sat next to Dennis and Dennis untied the bow to give me the ring. So it was, it was beautiful. It was really good. Yeah. Autumn. A crisp Mallee dawn. Anzac Day in Mantung its biggest day of the year. Nearly a hundred people are gathered beside the hall as the first light comes through the scrub. In a clearing, a row of names are illuminated, each by a single candle. Arthur Lehman, George Nash, David Pratt, Clifton Pudney, Sam Singh, Vanessa Singh, Alexander Searman, Alfred Telfer, William Tyler. I'd like to welcome you all here this morning. I don't think anyone could have envisioned our avenue of honour would have had the impact that it has had upon us. Only recently it has come to Lamb's attention that there were 19 Sikhs 
enlisted in World War I, free from our area, Janessa, Joan and Sam Singh, who farmed in the McGee area. Of the 19 enlisted, only one didn't make it home, Sam, killed in action, 10th of June, 1917, Belgium. We are honoured to have members of the Sikh community here with us today, to honour with the rest of us, all the men and women who enlisted and fought in our wars. They approached earlier, quietly, like a vision in the still dark Mallee trees. The Sikh family appearing in their saffron, chrome yellow and royal blue turbans and salwar kameez. He only came in a year before he enlisted and uh, down in Adelaide at Keswick and then uh, headed off to war and he ended up at Manning Gate. That's where, he's in the, that's where he died in the field of battle. Right. Um, so I assume he had some um, dreams of coming here and setting up a life for himself and his family, but yeah. Yeah, and his name? His name is uh, Private Sutton Singh. And where did he come from originally? He's from, from Punjab? He's, he's from Punjab area, yeah. yeah. It's a strange journey in a way, isn't it? To migrate mm. and then suddenly find yourself fighting in a war. Yeah. What would have the contrast been between Punjab and here in terms of <laughs> climate? And it's very similar. Hot summers and um, moderate winters, I guess. Obviously, irrigation's an issue here, not so much in Punjab, where there is lots of water. It's the land of five rivers. Um, culturally, it would have been a huge change, though, wouldn't it? Like to, to... It, it was, and um, it, it was a very difficult time because the White Australia policy was still in place, so it was difficult to get work, so it, I think it was much easier to work for yourself on the land. Despite all that, yes. they still signed up and yep. fought for the... Yep. And, and Sikhs are, um, you know, that make only up 2.5% of the Indian population, but Sikhs actually are 40% of the Indian army. So it is mm. very much something that's in our heritage. Now, from memory, last year we had a bit of a problem in this area, and uh, but this year everything's going to be okay because we've been graced with the company of our gorgeous Google Blah Gracie White. So I could probably say that you're a saving grace. So she's going to blow the trumpet. She told me it's not a bugle, it's a trumpet. And uh, there'll be a minute silence witnessed during the course and the flag will be raised. Thank you, Gracie. And out here, the minute's silence really is silent.
Afterwards, we all gather for breakfast outside the Mantung Hall. Honey-coloured, square, built of local stone. Once the school, and still the anchor of the town. Denise Lewis tells me about her dad. He attended the Mantung School. He only went to Year 7, like they always did back in those years. Then went home on the farm. The war broke out and his dad suggested perhaps he should enlist for the army. And he did. Landed in Singapore in about 1941. And no sooner were they set foot in Singapore and they were all taken prisoner of war. Yeah, had a bit of a tough time. Uh, Was in Changi prison for a while and then they got transported out onto the Burma Line that they call Hellfire Pass. Treated pretty horrifically. Uh, Dad never spoke much of his time uh, as a prisoner. He just always used to say to us kids, he said, you don't want to know about it, you don't want to know about the hell we went through. He said when they were hungry, they used to kill rats and eat, you know, rats and mice, or, you know, that's all, that's how they could survive. Every day was just, they were just handed a bowl of rice pretty much to eat and mum used to try and dish him up rice dishes, he would not touch it. Winter. In winter, the social life of the town revolves around netball and AFL. Mantung once had its own football team, but that's long gone. Now the closest is Wanka, where today the Wanka Bulldogs are taking on the Ramco Roosters. Mantung locals, Jeff Evans and Leanne Parker. Actually, I'm not that keen on the mallet. I hate the summer out here, the flies, the heat, but I love the winter and the community. It's, yeah, very good community spirit. What is it about the winter you love? Coldness and the wet when it rains. (laughs) It doesn't rain very often. The climate's pretty good. Probably the best place in the world to live. Probably one of the hardest places in the world to make a living, but yeah, it's a good place to live. After rain, when the grass is green and the trees are all shone up, and you know, it, it, it has got a beauty, there's no doubt about that. Mantung is an old railway town. McGee, Mantung, and Macunda were all established in 1914 when the railway from Karunda to Wakery went through. Great grandfather Evans. 1918, he came to Mantung. Actually, Mantung was a fairly, fairly busy place at the time. There was two or three stores, a bakery, a boarding house. It's a wonder there wasn't a pub, but there never was. And um, things went pretty good during the 20s until the droughts hit in 27. And uh, he got his first motor car, and he had a good horse team. Always had good horses. When they first got their combine in 1936, the combine being a machine that sows as well as cultivates, not a harvester like it is in America, they were pulling a 16-row combine with seven horses. You get up in the morning, half past four, feed the horses, go and have breakfast. You always fed the animals before yourself. 
Then you go down and harness up. Then you might be two miles away from the machine. You have to follow the horse team out there. And you work till dinner time, like 12 o'clock. And then you give the horses a nose bag. Then you have to uh, get them home before dark, take the harness off and give them a bit of a rub down and feed the horses. Go and have tea. Then you go back and feed them again, because little and often is the way you're supposed to feed a horse. Dad always loved the horses. He always said he loved to go back just drive a, couple, a team for a couple of days just for old time's sake but he did say one thing he said when you drive the tractor home you can go and have tea and go to bed world war one you go back and think the land was opening up farmers were taking it up so they had lots of children friends family came up and lived on these farms so the population like was quite way larger than it is now. Yeah. Even even for World War Two, it had started to drop because of the depression for World War Two. But World War One, like Eastern World had a football team. I think there's one person there now. <laughs> so like it's just yeah. and it had a school. Every little town had a school. I went to school at Wanka for five years in primary school, then they reopened the Mantung School. I went there for two years and then I did three years at Loxton High School. Didn't learn very much, but I went three years there anyway. But yeah, and um, um, then I started working on the farm, tractor driving, stump picking, of course, stick picking, clearing land. Mantung School was all cousins, except for I think one or two families, and any children from the railway families. And was it a one-teacher school? Too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Teaching all grades in the same. That's room. it. And there was, um, I think, it averaged twelve to eighteen students. And what did you do for entertainment? What did you do for fun? Well, there's always a dance on somewhere those days. He had a football match on the Saturdays, and usually the home team would have a dance on that night. And uh, every town had a hall. In the earlier years, when I was going to primary school, they'd, every now and again the railways would have a picture show in the hall here. They would send a, a, a um, picture show man around to entertain the railway workers. Of course, the whole, whole town would turn up to it. There was no no mains power, it was kerosene lights. We didn't get a TV until 1965, and then you'd be watching TV, the old black and white TV, and the batteries would be getting flatter and flatter, and the picture would be getting smaller and smaller, so you'd race down the cellar and start the engine, and that wouldn't start. By the time you got it going, you got back inside just to see the credits rolling down. <laughs> In 1966, Mantung School closed, and the students, there was 18, went to East Murray Area School. And that opened up with 260 students. Now it has 19 mm. students. It's just, yeah, the farms are getting larger and the community's getting smaller. You'd think people will keep farming out here, but... Oh, definitely. They'll definitely keep farming. And they'll still need young people to, to run those farms eventually. Well, people will get it. too old to and keep it, doing it. Yeah. Like, that. what do they say? The average age of farmers is about 56. Yeah. Everybody had their pet sayings. And then they'd be known by their sayings. 
like my grandfather's brother, he was always to hang this and dang that. I used to call him Dang Tom. Another old uncle was Bally this, Bally, he was known as Bally Roy. And um, Perce Carnell was known as Blam Perce. And uh, Mick Northcott was known as Thumpin' Mick. You know, Thumpin' was their favourite sort of stand-in for a swear word, I suppose. Right. You never heard the old bloke swear when you were kids, but you found out that in later life they certainly could. But <laughs> <laughs> when did the railway line stop? It was in the 1980s. Probably the saddest part about the railways was everything had to be demolished. So stone railway homes were demolished. But the big water tower, that was kept for bushfire purposes. That's still got water in it and keep water in it. So that's the only thing from the railways that is still standing at Mantone. Spring. Beautiful spring morning here in the Mallee. About to climb the Mantung water tower. See what's in it. Big old rusty ladder. Nothing but plain. The town of Mantung at the end of a long dirt road and an ocean of Mallee trees. The plains are green, a thin coating of green over the, the layers of limestone, but a farmer should get a crop this year. Spring in this area also means the Mindery Halidon Cup, known as the Melbourne Cup of the Mallee. Jeff Evans is there again, rolling a smoke as usual. He tells me about the year Reichstein's Ruffy won the race. Charlie Reichstein, who bought a horse in Adelaide and he wanted it railed to Mindery. And the railways got it wrong and they sent it to Mingary up at um, the Broken Hill. And when the horse got back, he had hair on him that long and pretty poor condition. And Uncle Eddie Rockstein, and lad really, he was a strap, he, he felt ashamed to lead it around. And <laughs> come in at about, I don't know, 20 to 1 or something, because everybody took one look at it. Bill Douglas, I think his name was, yeah, the horse's name, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what it won by, what it won by a hell of a lot anyway. But old Charlie Rockstein never back his own horse. Oh, 
Back to Mantung. The railways in this area were really put in to cart firewood to the city and the Mantung station had two uh, saws on its platform that would work all day cutting wood. A station master was uh, based here and the Fettler's Cottages, there was a population of about 120 in its, uh, at its peak. The trains came through twice a week and were used for passenger as well as carting firewood and also grain and wool. And population today? Population today is, uh, is about seven. One lady passed away last year, uh, which was very sad following a, a car accident here. Uh, so it was eight and now it's, uh, now it's down to seven permanent residents and a number of part-timers. Michael White is from the city, but he's bought the old Mantung General Store and is slowly doing it up as a holiday house. But it's part of that interaction, you know, of, of people in a small town and uh, people get to know other, each other's habits and ways of operating and ways of living and, and I think people just generally work around each other. They respect each other's privacy but come together when, uh, when they need to. Yes, it's a place for community, but it's also a place for space, isn't it? Giving each other lots of space. Yeah. And it seems to attract people who like that. Also, it attracts maybe people getting away a bit too, like recluses and uh, loners and maybe even ne'er-do-wells, would you say? I think that's true. I think the population here has both retirees who are looking for a quiet life local farmers and there's a couple of people here have been several people here over the years who uh, have um, have come here because they don't fit in well in other areas yeah like that guy on the edge of town with the two ferocious guard dogs and the boarded up windows on his house what exactly is he doing in there no one knows and he's not talking The old Mantung General Store was built in 1919. Though cracked, its limestone walls have stared down time. The store closed after the train stopped coming through. What does the sign say on the roof? It's very faded, but... It is very large letters. It says Arab, and the word Arab was a brand of groceries in the 20s, 30s and 40s. And on the side panel of the veranda, you can just make out Arab jelly crystals and custard powders. The general store not only served as a general store, but had a whole range of other functions here. When the school wasn't operating, people would make do and the teacher would have come here and taught. So what I'm trying to do is, is really just maintain a piece of South Australia's history so that it lasts for another 100 years. You know, when I first came here, there was rubbish everywhere, uh, particularly around the old general store. 
but all over town it was rubbish and bit by bit as I tidied up the, the area around the general store the local community got together and tidied up the town itself and got scrap metal merchant to come and take away a lot of rubbish and car bodies and they used that money to put a new roof on the local hall and I think that's just such a fantastic example of people working towards maintaining something that's important and so that hall is really the centre of the district and so much goes on there. It's rarely a week that goes past when something doesn't isn't happening at the hall, whether it's a local land care group or a rural women's events that happen there and uh, all sorts of parties and celebrations happen there and so the, the maintaining of that hall and the building of the uh, supper room at the back is really important for the, for the area and helps to make things happen. You mean it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beauty. Thanks mate. See you. See, ya. See, ya. See you soon. And that was the Mantung Yearbook, the third program in our Gone Mallee series. The sound engineer was Tom Henry, music was by Jakob Gadoshinsky, and the series was written and produced by Mike Ladd. I'm Rebecca Huntley. This is the History Listen. Bye for now.